Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares her motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. Happy July. Hope your summer is going well. I have a fantastic episode to pop into your earbuds today. My guest is Laura Cragen. She's the mother of three young kids, seven, four, and two years old. (laughs) Yep, she's in the throes of it. And over the last few years, she's had some significant struggles in her life, and she's talking all about that today, including this past year, which has been especially rocky, and going through a residential treatment center for severe depression and suicidal ideation, and then also a few months later going to an eating disorder recovery outpatient program. She has made herself a priority, and because of her prioritization of her health and her wholeness, she's able to serve her family so much better, and she's so much happier, obviously, from getting that support and help. Now she coaches and teaches Christian women how to regain their life back after years of dieting and struggling with body image and instead helping them to realize they are just fine the way they are and helping them to reconcile wanting to be better but also feeling like they're good enough as they are. Laura's journey is simply incredible and I'm so grateful for her vulnerability today. So let's get to it with Laura. All right. I'm so thrilled to be chatting with Laura Cragen today. Hi, Laura. Hi. Where am I speaking to you from today? I am in Utah, Saratoga Springs, Utah. Nice. Awesome. I heard it's been very hot. <laughs> yeah, we broke um, our record of 100 on June 4th. Oh, my gosh. That's early, out of, I read on 104 years, 147 years, like it, it hasn't, that they've been recording whether it was the hottest. Oh my gosh, that's just not right. That's not right. Especially with kids just getting out of school and parents needing to keep the hope, right? Like it's going to be an okay summer, but then when their kids like don't want to go outside because it's too hot, you're just like, no. Yeah, my kids aren't used to it, but I'm from, I'm born and raised in Arizona, so I don't think it's hot. I, I like it. I like, bring on the heat. It's fine with me. Yeah. It's summer. It's summer. What can you expect? Well, yeah. I am so excited that you reached out and um, just learning more about you and the work that that you've put in and how you have been using your challenges to really fuel you into this kind of next season in your life, I think is really inspiring and something that I would want for anybody who's walked through a challenge in their own life to not let that experience be wasted. So we'll get, we're going to go into that. But for people that don't know you yet, Laura, will you give a little background on yourself and your family? Yes, definitely. So, like I said, I was born and raised in Arizona, and now I live in Utah, and my husband and I met here, and I am a mom of three young kids, seven, four, almost eight, five, and two. So, I have a big month of birthdays here yeah. um, coming up in the <laughs> summer. I'm going to be making a lot of cake. <laughs> my kids are all excited for it. They always ask, how kind of a special cake, unicorn? Anyway. But um, I, I've definitely been on this journey, but it's been really, it's been really interesting having to navigate it through motherhood. So that's why I'm glad to come on. And what I do now, I, a couple years ago, you know, long story short, going through my own 
trials and really having to come to myself and realize I got to do something for me that brings me life and energy and creativity as I went to school to become a health and life coach. And that was so fun to me. I've never felt that kind of excitement in that way. Of course, motherhood does in some ways, um, but something that really makes me feel alive and I love to help other people. I, I have a deep passion to help women and um, I feel felt like it was something I needed and I was looking for that. And so that was really powerful for me to finally find that. And I've been doing that for a couple of years, but definitely this last year in 2020, like a lot of people, I went through some hard things and I had to take a pause on it. So I guess we'll talk about some of that today. And mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't, it, it just keeps unfolding. You don't know when these trials will come up, but they just do. And you have to handle them when they do. And mom had a breakdown. So I had to take care of me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just rewind back seven years to early motherhood for you. You now have three kids. You've been a parent for seven years, but what was early motherhood like? Was it what you thought it would be like? What 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 was that experience like for you? Well, I guess I failed to mention kind of my background in Arizona. I am the oldest of six kids. So, um, and my youngest sibling, I was 16 when she was born and my mom had four surgeries in two years. So my junior and senior in high school, I was just taking care of my little siblings and my mom was going through a lot of hard, um, medical health problems. And, um, my, and I was kind of felt like I was a divorced kid anyway. So I, they were going through a lot of um, hard things in their marriage at that time, too. It was about five years ago when they finally divorced. So ha- a lot of my story is going to evolve around that as well, too, you know, when your family system kind of deteriorates. But so with me going into motherhood, though, I already felt really confident about it. I just I had been changing diapers all through my teenage years and maybe even as young as like eight or nine years old. I have four brothers right below me and then my youngest sister and I was so excited to have a sister but going into motherhood I felt really confident about it and I was I felt pretty natural with it I did get married young and that was um that was definitely a big big surprise and kind of a trial I had to go through as well as as far as like what you ask of what was the hardest and what was the best I'd say the best part of it was how easy and natural it felt to me. And I felt like, I felt like I had one of my little friends, you know, you know, in heaven, we feel, we, we believe in heaven and that we, that we know each other before we came. And I felt like my, one of my little friends came down and I've always known him and he is so special and very much like me, my son that was first born. And, um, but me being young um, and having to navigate being a mom um, with being so young and strictly full-time at home. While my husband, he's a firefighter paramedic. He was gone a lot. And I think you understand with being um military mm-hmm. wife, like it's, that's the main, <laughs> main moms I really look up to. I don't know how you do, but it's, you know, even just in my small degree where they're gone for, two or three days straight and then they come back and they need to sleep and finally recover but I'm running a marathon each time they go on their shift and you probably feel that same way and it's it's really it's really difficult it was really difficult for my bandwidth of resiliency that I hadn't 
gained yet, even though I felt like I did with those teenage years, it's not the same. I wasn't the parent then. Mm-hmm. And now it was all on me. And I moved, we moved to a few different places too. So uprooted from not even being in Arizona to finally being rooted in Utah, and, but still moving around in Utah. Like I, I didn't have, we didn't have much family around either. My family still lives there. His family lives in Oregon. So it was very lonely for me. And I became, I had postpartum depression. And after each one I did, both it being um, genetic in my family and just my, I'm just more disposed to that. But um, it, it was tough in that way. I really um, started to resent some parts of motherhood because I, I just felt lonely and I felt like I was somewhat trapped. And that was um, that darkness of the depression coming. And it, of course, then the guilt, it's just a cycle spiral. But I loved him and I loved my husband. I really wanted to build this family legacy of ours. However, I needed some learn, to learn some lessons <laughs> in the process. Hey everyone, I wanted to thank a show sponsor that is perfectly appropriate for this episode, and that is Brightside. Brightside offers personalized, life-changing anxiety and depression care from your own home. Dealing with these mental health challenges can be absolutely paralyzing, and when you're in the midst of it, finding a babysitter and scheduling an appointment, finding insurance coverage providers, like it feels too overwhelming to even get started, and that is why Brightside is so incredible for moms like you and me. They offer the full spectrum of anxiety and depression conditions, so no matter what you're feeling, you'll get treatment tailored to your specific needs on your schedule. If you go to brightside.com moms, you can take a quick free mental health assessment, and within 48 hours, you're connected with your expert provider to start your personalized treatment plan. I took this free assessment and literally got a response back immediately within three minutes, showing me that I actually was leaning more towards depression than anxiety right now, which kind of surprised me. So once you take that assessment and you see what you need, you can choose from either therapy, medication, or both. And all the plans follow the highest clinical standards and are based on American Psychiatric Association guidelines. And so, you are getting top quality medical care without all the legwork, and that is why I love it. Plus, they have a better care guarantee, and you can get a full refund within 30 days, no questions asked. So join thousands of Brightside members taking back their lives. Take your free mental health assessment and get up to $100 credit on your first month of treatment at brightside.com moms. That's brightside.com slash moms, brightside.com slash moms. If this is a concern for you right now, just start with that assessment. You will be so glad you did. Trust me. Now let's keep going with Laura. And and in hindsight, talking about it, you can talk about it so succinctly and so cleanly, and you can see so much all the different factors that are playing into that really challenging initial time, right? Even amidst the joys, there's still the the loneliness and, like you said, resentment too. Even though you wanted this, you lo- you love your son, you you're doing a great job, right? And you feel equipped to do it. So why are you feeling you know this this rub? And I think so many of us feel that and yet you're not having it be your very first experience nobody can tell you that it's going to be okay or to lower your expectations or just to get it's just such a weird first timer experience I'm four kids in now you're three kids in and I'm sure you know when certain things come up 
you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this before and I know how to handle it better. Or I know how to lower the expectations. And when my husband has been gone for work, it is truly a matter of just like lowering the bar. And at first it was really challenging because I, you know, thought the house still needed to be picked up every night and I needed to still cook every night and all this. And then it's like, wait a second, like nobody's monitoring me as long as the kids are happy and healthy and safe we're good, whatever that looks like, but you have to give yourself that permission. But that first time around, nobody can tell you to do that. You kind of have to just get through, I think. Yeah. I liked what you said. It's that you just know that it's going to be lowered and that, you know, yourself, I don't have that bandwidth yet, but as you've gotten older and older, you realize and you let go and you have more acceptance. Like I, definitely cereal for dinner is fine Mm -hmm. and let's let's watch some shows for a bit and it's most important is me I gotta keep up me and then it'll be okay (laughs) until dad comes home and or you get someone else to watch your kids like you gotta take that those breaks yeah so true (laughs) yeah absolutely and you had a lot of factors contributing at that time in addition to a legit chemical imbalance and in the because I mean depression can be exacerbated in you know situationally but also there's just some things that you can't change your lifestyle enough to make depression go away and Mm -hmm. and so did you seek help at that time um to treat your postpartum depression I didn't with my first I really didn't know what I was doing yet and I went to counseling a little bit Money was a factor, too, that I was really scared of, you yeah. know, going to get therapy and paying into that. And I just thought, I just thought I could just try better. I could just do harder. It, it, of course, I think, I mean, mental health became popular, I'd say, about within these past 10 years. I was more on that opening door of mental health of when things started to get very conversational in the world. So I was like, you know, maybe I'm part of that group that's really having struggles but I'm just gonna try a little harder that's just kind of me where I just kind of will say it's okay I'm fine it's definitely that mothering aspect of me and a lot of us moms are that way we're like I'll be okay and keep going and um and I yeah not really having a um a big support network with my mom really helping me know what to do and I don't have older sisters and sister-in-laws like that where I can really know so I was doing the best I could and I that's a lot of what we'll talk about later probably too is that self-compassion that I've had to really learn um to just realize I just didn't know yet yeah for people that don't have a support network and are unfamiliar with even you know what depression can look like it can come in lots of different forms too and so it's not just wanting to stay in bed and crying all the time or feeling super sad it can look a lot of different ways. And for me, it's postpartum anxiety. And until my third, I didn't even know that anxiety was something that could be heightened. I thought it was just depression after having a baby. And now I'm so much more aware of, oh, there it is. There's the anxiety. And I'd suffered with anxiety before. But what the heck? Like, you're right. Those conversations didn't start until these last few years. And I'm so grateful that they have because there's so much more information and permission to accept this challenge that comes with motherhood for a lot of women. A lot, a lot, a lot. You're not alone in that, but it feels lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they say like one in six women do with depression. I'd say probably just even smaller with it being moms. Yes. Maybe one in three, one in four, but I definitely know it's the one in six for women overall even so I think 
with us being more gentle natured and just the, the different struggles, especially what we'll talk about with body image and the diet culture that's in our world right now. It's just, it's really difficult. But I, later on, I did get more help with my second and my third mm-hmm. and, and thank goodness, but I did still get even deeper and deeper. There were still, there were still things in my life that were always going to bring me back to the depression. Mm. And it's definitely those emotional false beliefs, those, those paradigms that stay in your brain that like, that make it physical. It starts, it starts to change your brain and makes, it makes you behave and feel And those neurotransmitters aren't working in you I and I yes the the disposition of me not and I my family especially we just don't make enough serotonin Mm -hmm. like my mom has depression my dad even right now they're all they're both taking uh, antidepressants right now I have a I have a transgender brother right below me um and all the struggles he's went through and 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 the he takes that too so it's like it's yeah. very legit. It's very family. there, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so I'm curious: is it something that you talk about in your family, or is it kind of just known that everyone <laughs> struggles with this? I I think they know, but yeah, we don't talk about it so much, only yeah. because we are just so deep in sometimes our own thing that we can't really reach out and help. However, I think I'm glad now of me getting better after lots of time to put towards it to be able to help them and in any way um but then even other moms it's yeah. just it needs to be talked about and it's so it's so okay to yeah. talk about it <laughs> right so let's fast forward you have your third baby you suffer from postpartum depression for a third time and tell me how kind of things escalated from there so I definitely, I'd say there are definitely a few little factors there. It being um, postpartum depression, mm-hmm. you know, after having a baby, that decline of um, those hormones that really boo you up when you're pregnant, and then uh, having all the stress on top of that. My husband working a lot and not having three kids. I think a lot of women understand what I'm saying when I say all that. Yes. So you have that picture. Um, but then secondly... When you get older, I feel like things become even more um, heavy because now you've believed it even longer, whatever those beliefs were, in which I would probably talk about that I am not enough with my body because I've we've been raised in this culture and I, growing up and um, having that always instilled in me, even in our own marriage, my husband's a personal trainer on the side for a second job and so always having to feel like I had to keep up with him. And he, he looks great. He works really hard at it. And he, he's definitely, um, he's definitely the person I would be very jealous of. And I was the one having babies. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard for me. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Cause I think so many times we're definitely aware of when we're comparing ourselves to other women or other, you know, moms postpartum and how our bodies look, but to be comparing ourselves even to our husbands who haven't been through what we've been through, who legit have a different body type than we do. That's something also to be aware of because that can also, you know, we can get in that comparison trap as well. So then you went on a really life-changing trip with your family too, right? After that, after that vacation, it was in March of 2019. March 2018. So I come home and I had 
a major bad flu from Nelva. I it was a, it was a stress induced sickness, and I even got mastitis during that time. So I got the flu, but oh. then it, it, I started to get mastitis, and I maybe it was mastitis first or flu second. I don't know, and I know it has a lot of the flu like symptoms, but for two weeks straight, I was down, and so not only was that trip hard for that two weeks, I had to recover from it for two weeks. And I had a huge coming to myself and just looking myself in the mirror. I remember one time and just thinking, this has to stop. Something needs to change. I, I don't look forward to waking up now every day. I'm so worried and anxious to have these ideas. Well, and I, I, I don't have much life in me and I don't know how I can give it to other people. And I have the six month old baby and two little other kids and, you know, something hasn't changed. So I just had a really good coming to myself moment and just knowing this is my responsibility. At least that was part in, partly in there. And I know God placed that in there knowing like, this is my responsibility. He can help me, but he knew I had to choose. And that was part of finding time for me and finding, I took, I remember those next couple months, I just played and I, I told my husband, I just need to play. And of course I come and nurse the baby but I'm going to yoga classes. I'm going out to with friends. I'm starting to research more. I'm maybe starting a business. And it just all came very fast. I think once the doors finally opened up, God was ready to give it to me. And all this beautiful, exciting, rewarding part of life that can be along with motherhood. So it was just a really interesting time of life. And um, I did go get my medicine changed and fixed and went to therapy. That's part of it. Maybe even self-care of making more phone calls of getting something fixed in my house or making the phone call to get my son to go to the doctor for his asthma, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of these things that I had to really work on. Hey everyone, wanted to jump in again and thank a show sponsor and that is Nutrafol. And postpartum hair loss is a major issue for so many of us. In fact, more than 50% of women experience excessive shedding naturally within three to four months of giving birth. And I am certainly in that phase right now. My hairline is starting to recede and there's just simply not hair where there once was. Well, Nutrafol's goal is to empower women to embrace the beauty of their hair growth recovery with the Nutrafol postpartum by targeting the root causes of postpartum thinning hair, like the physical stress of childbirth and emotional stress of parenting, right? And with all that nutrient depletion, sometimes our hair, we just lose it. So Nutrafol postpartum is cool because it's breastfeeding friendly and OBGYN developed and because it's 100% drug-free with natural ingredients, you can definitely fill in those nutrition gaps with Nutrafol postpartum and to manage your shedding hair and you can grow thicker, stronger hair. Who doesn't want that? Now Nutrafol takes about three to six months to see real results, but I've been taking this for about three weeks now and I'm so excited and cannot wait to see the results. I've taken before photos and I'm so excited to see the hair growth that I receive after three to six months. So you can grow stronger and healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code EMP to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code EMP to get $15 off. You have nothing to lose, so get started like I am and see the difference that Nutrapol 
postpartum can make. Now let's keep going with Laura. Sometimes I think the hardest part in making those choices is just deciding and actually making that next first step, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're feeling depressed, the last thing you want to do is do something out of your comfort zone. The last thing you want to do is make the phone call. The last thing. And so we're in the very beginning of that, of, of finding yourself, of pursuing fun, of releasing yourself from the weight of the responsibility. How did you get that energy to do that, to do the first step? I really did feel like I said, God placed that energy in me. He, he definitely was that wind behind me. And, um, it also was, I like to talk about it being the fire in my belly. It's, I don't know if you ever heard that term before, but if you're ever wondering what you really should do, what really calls to you, I've had a coach before, even myself, you know, coaches need coaches. And she would tell me, I would ask her, I don't know what to do. I don't know the year there, how I want it, what I want. It's kind of in the notebook or what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. As women, we just don't make decisions. That's kind of part of those that suffer with low self-esteem and low self-confidence, which I could definitely come from with the family that way. And me and I I have this split personality where sometimes I really do, sometimes I don't. And so I, I, but she told me, follow that fire in the belly. That's going to get you where you're going to need to go. And so that's, that really helped me propel me forward. If it, I mean, some things don't always give you the fire in the belly with trying to get some medication. Right. Yeah. Don't start with the doctor's appointment, right? Like don't start with treating your son's asthma, start with the yoga class, right? Or start with what sounds fun. And I think that momentum can, can come. So like, what's the lowest hanging fruit in order to feel that feeling, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I did. I, I, I had to, you have to deconstruct down. That's what I was doing. I was deconstructing and um, finally building up those blocks again. And we'll talk about that with intuitive eating. It's just so imperative. When you were at those distressing times in life, you take it all down. You put in those priorities and blocks first and you'll build up from there. And yeah. therapy was definitely part of that in medicine first. Yeah. Incredible. And I had so- taken medicine for a long time too. I forgot to mention, I had taken yeah. medicine since um, my daughter, my second daughter. So by the time we get to this big part where I'm really suffering from when we're talking about when I went to my residential treatment center and starting to have suicidal thoughts, I at that point had already been taking medication for about four or five years. So even when you have that, you have to then, things will change. That medication started to not work for me. I I was taking that medication for four years. And it really... From what my, from what they were telling me in the in my treatments, they were saying, you know, any medicine taken for that long really isn't going to have that impact, even if you keep hiring up the dose. Really. So, yeah, and so I was even at kind of more of that max dose, and I had to, and thank goodness with different, there are about thirty different antidepressant drugs out there right now. Um, I'm not sure how many of the anti-anxiety, but for antidepressant, a lot of help with both too. But yeah, they're. I, I need to just make a switch. And I just didn't know that. I just kept going on my road. I'm fine. You know, my normal phrase, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And thinking if you say that enough, that it, that it will be fine. Okay. So you were on kind of your, your bender of fun and you were <laughs> probably thinking to yourself, like, I'm getting better. Is that what you were thinking? I, I was thinking so. I was, though. 
with all that fun and that fun bender, yeah, I was buffering. I was okay. buffering with that fun. I wasn't really dealing with the sandpaper. I like to say of what was really making life emotionally dark and hard for me. And that was a lot of my marriage. We needed to work some things out. Me really accepting motherhood in a different light and um, the self-care. Of course, it's not always just about fun. It's really actually me taking time to be still and to really stop those um, stop those thoughts coming through. So as an example, with what I like to tell my clients, something called the fact machine. Have you ever heard of that before? No, I haven't. It's really just a simple tool to use. If you have this thought come, a thought come up that you know isn't right for your soul, for example, especially with intuitive eating, that thought comes up, I feel fat. I feel fat. And I hate it. I am unhappy. That when you put it through the fact machine, you know, one side is you can put it into the that first part of that machine, the entry level. So you put that phrase in there. You think to yourself, okay, I'm thinking this thought. There's something wrong with it. You need to find inside that machine all these different reasons that are going to disprove that. Because you don't feel fat. That fat isn't a feeling. You start to validate yourself. Find different answers and ways that contradict that statement because that's really a false belief there and saying you know if that fat isn't a feeling who told me that why am I feeling that way actually I went and tried to go do some movement earlier today outside and my husband didn't tell me that and you, you start to really have that conversation with yourself and so finally if as it's bounced around enough in that machine it's going to come out on the other side thinking you know I I just feel unhappy right now. I And I'd like to say, even in that machine, you have to ask yourself the question. Um, I really look up to Tiffany Peterson. She's a business coach. She loves to use the phrase, what do you need, sweetheart? So really saying that to yourself, kind of like what I did in the mirror that long time ago, looking in the mirror and say, what do you need, sweetheart? And you even say that to your kids, you know, say that to yourself. And so when you finally get to the other side, you say how you really feel of the emotions underneath. I feel unhappy and depleted. I need whatever it is. And so you've really kind of changed that thought process for those that are, know the whole therapy mindset. This is CBT. Mm-hmm. This is cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Taking those false beliefs and making it easy for myself to just know it's just a little machine to put it through. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and and I love that you pointed out that even even the fun can be a buffer, can be something that's covering something else up without actually dealing with what's underneath, right? You can't just fun things away or laugh things away. These are serious mm-hmm. issues. And so how long after that kind of March mini breakdown – where you started then pursuing fun and self-care and all the things that you mentioned before, did it really come to a head in a brand new way? Yes. It was going to surface at some point, all those thoughts going on. Um, and definitely not nourishing relationships in the way that should be. And, um, it was March, you know, when I had the, the hard time with my trip, those few months after I had a lot of fun, I decided I was going to go into coaching. I enrolled for school online. And um, by June, I had hit a really rough time. 
I had a, I started to have um, suicidal thoughts within those, those months after. And I, I just thought, you know, what, this isn't me. I didn't really think of it. I didn't even want to acknowledge that they were there. I was actually just being very denied. I was trying to really deny it, but um, thinking about things of, um, you know, wanting to throw myself on traffic and um, especially when I was in those really hard times with my husband or with the kids, um, but really wanting to um, take away the pain. It was a very physical experience to want to release that. And then I ended up um, one day after a major panic attack, I, I went to the, I went to the psych ward that, that evening, which was hard for me to think, you know, me going to a psych ward, but, um, that's where it kind of started. And I I knew this is more of a serious, deeper level and seeing it high sight now, um, it was all part of what had to happen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then later on, we'll talk more about the fitness center I finally went to too, because, you know, psych ward, I was there only a full days. That's all all that that can be for. It's just the reprieve for a while. And definitely I needed to. I'm a really great counselor. And I also got the information that that medication is not working for you. Hey, sorry to break in one more time, but wanted to thank our final show sponsor, and that is Felix Gray. You guys know I am loving these blue light glasses because these Felix Gray glasses are literally different than any others on the market. They filter 15 times more blue light that can make screen time really tough on your eyes and disruptive to sleep. The thing I am loving about Felix Gray so much is that I got my prescription put in them. Hooray! No more doubling up on my prescription glasses with the blue light glasses over it. Yeah, not a great look. Plus, I knew that the quality of these glasses were going to be unmatched. And sure enough, when my Felix Grey glasses arrived, they had a quality fit. They have tons of different frames to choose from, and I think they look pretty good. My kids have said, like, where'd you get those glasses, Mom? So that's pretty high praise for my kids. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you've been looking for a new pair of blue light glasses, give Felix Grey a try. Seriously, you will not notice the difference that these blue light glasses make until you give them a try. You will realize how much you've been suffering in the meantime. So get yourself a pair of glasses made for the 21st century and designed for modern, hardworking eyes. You have nothing to lose except maybe eye strain. Go to felixgrayglassescom slash EEP for the best blue light glasses on the market. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash EEP. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash EEP. Help your eyes out and get yourself a pair today. Now let's finish up with Laura. It's crazy to think that in a psych ward that you can actually feel reprieve, right? Like if if that is the reprieve from your daily life, that, Mm. that tells you right there how dire it is and... Wow, that is so brave of you to go do that. Because, I mean, not only, I mean, I just think of, like, the logistics of being like, well, I can't go to the psych ward because then what's going to happen with my kids? And my husband has to work. And, like, it just, it goes on and on. And that is just the lies that we tell ourselves about not just being at the bottom of our own list. Everybody else is above us. And it's just simply not true. And and I think part of what comes with suicidal ideation is that people are better off without us 
and yet we also feel indispensable to our to our kids and to everybody else like we can't take five minutes to shower or to to do the things that we need to do right so that is so incredibly brave of you and you know it's it saved your life i'm i'm sure and so many people don't take that first brave step to to potentially save themselves it's just i've heard too many stories now and it's and it's heartbreaking because Ugh, you just have to break the pattern. What did you see around you when you went into the psych ward? What surprised you about that environment? Because I've heard it often looks very differently than what you might picture from like the movies or something. Yeah, it was a little bit scary. Um, I was in a room with um, a woman. I think she was in her 40s, but she looks like she was 65. Um, I think she was homeless, but she was so sweet, very timid, but very, very sweet. And you could tell she'd gone through a lot in her life. And I just thought, I can't believe I'm waking up in the night next to this living. I don't even know what's going to happen. It was very scary. And the whole area was very sterile because they don't know what people are going to do to themselves. And I thought, am I one of these people? And I had to understand, I had to tell myself, it isn't one of these people. These are, we're all children of God. We're all going through some really hard things. And I have traumas from my past and childhood, and I also part of the whole story is surfacing me in the story. I've told myself after years of um, being the same mom and not having the help and support I needed, and um, but and then the chemical imbalance. I also I saw um, a lot of young. It was really disheartening. A lot of young men there, like twenties, there. and it really reminded me, and I don't, I don't think I talked, said this, but one reason, I forgot to say, a huge reason why I checked myself in, as I started to really feel those strong feelings, those thoughts have been around for a while. But when I started to be more deliberate about wanting to act on it, I remember the promise I made to myself a couple of years before, when I was pregnant with my third, my cousin that was 17 committed suicide. And um, I had depression at the time, but it wasn't wasn't to this point I hadn't had suicidal thoughts yet and I knew going through that traumatic experience with my family um it was yeah very sudden no signs I mean a lot of times they say there are signs for him like he was very did not show much and it was very sudden and then um I remembered especially being the mom knowing I have too many people that love me and need me I need to make a decision right now. At that funeral, I remember making that decision. If I ever get to that point where I want to act on it, I need to go get help right away. And I remember that. And so that was, um, for anyone, I mean, that's listening. When you know you could be heading down that direction, make that decision now and tell yourself that now. And that was a big thing for my family. And knowing that that kind of tragedy, it, it was a tragedy seeing my whole family go through that and my cute, my cute cousin that I used to babysit mm. as I grew up, it was really hard, but seeing those young men there too, I thought they were brave and knowing that they, they, they went in, they, they, of course, a lot of them have to be forced. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I still somewhat chose to go in. Sometimes you're some people, if they really are harmed to themselves, they have to go, but um, they were still trying to participate in things and therapy and, the group sessions so I, they were brave yeah. and anyone who does that in the future to really decide that you're brave <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I 100% agree. And I just think it goes to show, like, it's not any one type of person. You are not immune. I am not immune. And and judging anybody else who you think might be more susceptible or less susceptible, it's just simply not true. So t- treating everybody like they're fragile <laughs> and like they matter. Yes. You yes. can't go wrong with that type of, of compassion and love for mankind and your fellow children of God, like you said. Like, <laughs> who better than us to to show up for, for each other and, and reminding everybody that they do matter. And I love what you said about choosing ahead of time and we can choose ahead of time, a lot of things in our life, right? Like choosing, I'm not going to drink choosing. I am not going to spank my kids choosing, you know, whatever you're, you want to choose for you personally and choosing that you're going to live choosing that you are not going to take that into your own hands and you're, you would rather get help than resort to that. Um, it's it's so powerful obviously and so you go in and you have your several days of of treatment and you come out and I just want to know kind of what needed to change or what changed so that you could get on that path it's not a light switch I bet you wish it was (laughs) but what how, how did you get to the place that you're at today where now you're empowering other women Yes. And so, yeah, that was June, June, 2020. And so I, when I came out, we all decided this is mom's time to really get some help. I threw a lot of money around. I saw all kinds of different modalities of health. I saw a hypnotherapist. I got acupuncture. I went and did even more therapy, out-of-pocket therapy, when I couldn't find the right therapist, because a lot of times it takes the, the specific right therapist for you. And a lot of people during 2020 were getting therapy, but they were all the gall of good therapists were full. So I found some that, you know, were out of pocket, worth it to me in that time knowing my my health is worth it. And there are many people that actually did help support us in some ways that way too, so I can get more help. And um, I, at that point, too, because I, as, you know, further in the future, as we're going to probably talk about me finally going to a treatment center for a whole month in the month of October of 2020. Up to that point, you know, I thought going back to my roots. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna seize everything, and I'm gonna really try and be healthy. I'm gonna make food my medicine. I'm gonna really try and work out hard. I'm gonna try and get up every day. You know, that's just kind of that type A of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but on top of everything, trying to get medical attention every week became actually like a part-time job, and really trying to help me with even hormones, figuring out fight hormone imbalances as well. Not just the neurotransmitters going around in my head that you can't measure, which someday I think we could get. Hopefully, (laughs) yeah. You know, really, um, I actually had to go through some different medicines. That was also part of it, really, and um, landed me in the treatment center. I I went on some really rough medications, and um, they did had some pretty crazy side effects. (laughs) But I, yeah, but it's all part of a trial and error, figuring it out. I didn't take that test yet, you know. And, um, as yeah, seeing different therapists, but definitely, but with the, it was the most strict I had ever been with my health during that time for the good reason in my heart, thinking it can help me. However, it was just morphing into more and more of, um, eating disorders. And, um, I had been binging for about six months to a year before, about once or twice a week, but I just thought it was overeating, but every week, 
you know, I was, I was really making myself sick, trying to drown myself in those, um, those feelings with food. And of course, with someone looking, look at me, I don't, I, it does, you wouldn't see someone, oh, they're a binge eater. Mm -hmm. Binge eaters look like all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. It, it's all, we all have different bodies. And um, this body dysmorphia, really look at myself, really being disappointed in myself and um, then morphing into orthorexia. I'd say those have been my three things I've dealt with. And it, it goes from kind of one to the other. This body dysmorphia thing is what everyone deals with first with eating disorders. And then the binge eating was for, and the orthorexia kind of came both because they were the polar opposites. Mm. <laughs> I had to be orthorexic, which I guess I should explain what it is orthorexia is being religiously clean eating it is now becoming and is actually a defined term now it not to be confused with orth, um, anorexia but to the point where you're OCD with how clean you eat and um I made the I made it to the point of being raw vegan even for a week and I then tried juicing only drinking juice and all in these hopes of because I was desperate these medications weren't working and I am waking up every day just so lost and unhappy of course I, I can get out of bed there's some days where I need to sleep in longer and have my husband help but I really didn't have that choice to stay in bed all day as you would think depressed people are but I my mom would always say and tell me as some of the knowledge she could give me through these years of her going through her hard times she did learn and teach me something of depressions like running through a muddy field and I'd say anxiety mm -hmm. too you can do it but you're, it's very heavy. You'd even say it's like running with what jeans, you know? Yeah. It's possible, but it, it's, that's not how we should live. I hate to use the word should, but it, it's to push us forward to know, okay, we've got to make some changes. And um, I was spinning around. I was working out like crazy twice a day even. I would binge and purge. I Purging in the sense of having to be so religiously clean, eating and exercising and so I knew my depression wasn't going to go away until I got help with that. But first I had to go to the treatment center because it was still just totally neurotransmitters first yeah. <laughs> and therapy. Right. And what did your parenting look like in the throes of trying to pay so much attention to genuinely trying to help yourself and make yourself feel better and to show up better in your life? What did it look like during this kind of frenzied time? Well, yeah, my kids um, were probably um, having the hardest time. Mm. Um, my son has ADHD, and um, he was definitely having a, a lot of episodes. He has the ADHD inactive, so being termed ADD. Um, he has the ADD, and... Um, he, he was definitely having a lot of episodes of you just, ha you can't, you can't um, help him through his, his fits and he, his attention. You could tell he, he needed to be re reminded many, many, many times. And that really just fed my depression and anxiety too. Right. So we were in this really bad <laughs> cycle together. Yeah. Um, and um, my kids, they, they knew and I would try and tell them, in what words I could of what was going on with mommy, but mommy's got is sick in her head. She needs help. And why do you have to go to another doctor? I, I need some more help with my head. It's, it's hurting. 
and of course my kids are pretty young yeah, so right. they can handle so yeah that had to be yeah a confusing time for them but at the same time they are still so young and you probably felt so aware of of how they're being impacted but long term you know with with a healthy outlook in your life now they're probably not gonna remember a whole lot of it either so but it feels so so much at that time i'm i'm sure Mm. um yeah that's really challenging and it does continue to feed your challenges and so you knew that you needed more help. You went to a month-long treatment center. And was that really the catalyst that kind of changed things for you? Partly. Partly. It was, yeah, because later on, I then needed to do some outpatient eating disorder mm-hmm. therapy. But this this month-long intensive was definitely one of the huge building blocks of releasing some traumas as I had worked on with my therapist there. Um, and trauma is, you know, with suicidal thoughts, it's trauma, um, even just past childhood stuff, but, um, my marriage, working on my marriage and our communication, um, and working on, um, how I view him and getting the medication, finally getting that right medication. And you'd think, oh, just find it just, but there's 30 of them and the trial the trial and error time frame of medications are about two to three months. It takes a long time to get it under your belt, see how it feels, and then you have to wean off it again. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it is so hard. I know somebody that I love was asking if they thought that maybe medication would be right for me, and I'm not a doctor. So all I could say was for myself, it's better to just – Start trying what your doctor recommends. You know, usually they start you on a very low dose and they start you with what they think will be at the least amount of side effects and all this stuff. But I'm like, you know, in three weeks to a month, you'll be able to feel the effects. But if you think about it for three weeks to a month and then start it, then you're two months out. And sometimes that could just feel like, right? Like so hard. So, yeah. Especially in this day of age where we want things quick. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm so glad you're able to finally find something that met your needs better for that time, but also realizing, too, down the road, now you've had this experience, you're probably going to need to change things up again, but you're probably going to be more okay with it knowing that that is a possibility versus being totally caught off guard like you were last year of like, what? Like, this isn't working for me anymore? What what happened? Yeah, it, it was really, they, and that's what they always kept saying in the you just have to follow your own heart, what feels right or not. That's why the spirit was really helping me sing. That doesn't feel right now to take the, Zol- the Zoloft anymore. That was the one that I used for years. And um, they, cause they always say what the best thing to do is look to the past. What worked for you in the past? Sometimes it's not always the case. Cause right. then my body maybe changed. Maybe it was just too used to it. I don't know. So um, yeah. it was definitely a trial I had to go through and um there were so many amazing tools that I learned there in that center. I got to be with a lot of other people that were having struggles and getting to know them. It was very bonding. I really met a good friend of mine. Um, you know, friends are across times and genders and generations. You know, it's he was 65 years old, and I just love that man. Even just thinking about Aww. him, I love him. And we were good friends during that time because we missed our families. I missed... I, it was, it became my why 
to do everything I do to know I can see my kids. But being away from my kids for 30 days um, made me very depressed. I wouldn't say it was the best experience for me going there. It was what felt right at the time. I would say part of it being away from my family made me even more depressed um, and harder. But I did finally get that medication under my belt. And, um, yeah, it... It and it needed it needed to happen. So I try and say, yeah, there's good, there's bad, and of course, having to deal with drama is at a place like that too, with a bunch of people that are going through our time. You kind of right. add to it all. <laughs> and it was during COVID, so we really didn't get to go to very many places. We were inside that house and just the immediate backyard, and then we went out maybe once or twice a week to the park or to a movie we finally went to a movie so I was super stuck in the same place at the time (laughs) yeah that does not sound fun that does not sound like something you would just like yeah just choose to do but if you want to choose to be well sometimes you have to make that hard uncomfortable choice and so once you got out of there then then what did life look like when I got out, actually, the reason I came out, I came out just shy of 30 days and um, because I got COVID while I was there. Oh, so that geez. just added to everything. And I was just like, of course, what else? <laughs> <laughs> right? oh, and of course, I'm in a public place. So I got out just shy of 30 days because they try and keep it to the 30 days, especially with insurance purposes. But they're like, we can see how this isn't going to be good for you to be here. Being, I mean, being in a rehab is already quarantine enough, but then to be quarantined to my room in a quarantine, I was just like... Going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was nuts. And I was so depressed. I just, I, but I really felt a lot of gratitude. It was really kind of a cool experience as I prayed that morning. I had COVID though, and I was really having a hard time. I was in a quarantine to my room. They didn't want anybody else in the whole place to get it. There were definitely other people who had it too. Why, why would have I gotten yeah, it, you know? Right. So, um, but trying to pray to God, you know, please have them say yes to let me out and the insurance will work with it. And I just had this over sense, over, this overwhelming sense of gratitude come to me. It felt kind of like a movie being flashed before my eyes of all these beautiful experiences that I have had in my life. I went in the closet and I was praying on the ground in there and, um, just to be away from anybody that would come in and try and check on me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just need to be away. And, um. I felt like I, I could remember seeing, you know, my, my son being born. I remember when I was a five-year-old looking at sea urchins when I went to Mexico with my grandparents. All those beautiful little tidbits of our life kind of come to me and really boosted me up, tell me to see the gratitude that I have a beautiful life I'm worth fighting for with this, and there's so much more to come. And then the answer did come that I can go. I can go back home. And um, after that, I... I, it was kind of fall and Christmas time, so I kind of just thought, okay, I'm just going to go as nicely through these holidays as I can, make it very simple. Um, of course, readjusting who I see with therapists um, now that I'm at, out of that place, the new person maybe or someone that understands what I've already gone through, take that some medication, be very good about that self-care, and but I was still, I was still on the train of diet culture, knowing like, okay, I can just heal my problems with my body and how I put it, what I put into it, how I look, how I exercise. And that was all my problems. I, I really thought in my mind, I, I, I was still pretty, I was still pretty 
um, distorted in my mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing like that could solve some problems, and that's an eating disorder disorders. Yeah. So and by the by the spring, so I went through that for about four months of just thinking it more, you know, more veganism, whatever I need I wanted to do, um, dairy free, whatever. I just thought I needed to try all the things in order to find the right one for me because I had already been a health life coach. I'd already gotten my certification from that before. And, I, you know, I just really believed in it. This is now, it became an identity. That's mm-hmm. what was wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not who I am. But because I was really, I really do have a love and a passion for it. And I think we're all born with those different loves and passions. But when it becomes and crosses that line, that's where I really needed help. And I, I, um, I had the thought of intuitive eating kept coming to my mind. I had read the book actually three or four years before. So, um, I, and I, I thought, wow, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. I, I'm going to do it. And I did it for about two weeks, that long time ago to just really help me understand my own body and my signals and that relationship with my body. But I was still so bought into diet culture and, um, just the way of being of how we've already been grown up that way. Um, that's what you do. You have babies, you diet, right? It's so bad, but um, I still needed to get my wiggles out, I guess. I think that it was just part of God's plan. I still needed to learn more and um, be in a state where I really wanted to finally do this. And intuitive eating being in such a way where we eat like a child. It's like children, they've eaten, they're done, and they eat, and they're hungry. And there's a lot, a lot to it, as we'll talk about. But I was really grateful for God giving me that that phrase in my mind go check out intuitive eating again mm-hmm. yeah i want to go away <laughs> okay fine mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna look into it and i did and i thought i can't believe i've abandoned this i've been given this idea in this modality that um it's beautiful and it really helped me and i i as i was reading through i'm like i don't think i can do this on my own i really don't right. <laughs> this is going to take some extra help and i had already met my max out of pocket for all that I've gone through. So I'm like, you know what? It's a beautiful option to be able to go to an outpatient center. They, they thought that I could do either outpatient or even a whole day, but outpatient ended up being kind of part-time where you're there three days a week for a few hours and you eat a meal there. You get the group therapy or you see a dietitian once a week and a therapist once a week. Finally, something that really could work for me right now. I'd already done the inpatient thing. I was really nervous of that. And being having a family, and it really worked beautifully for me to have that flexibility where I can get some help. And I learned intuitive eating. I learned about those that fact machine again, having to keep putting each thought. There's millions of thoughts I still need to put through there and change. But I finally did. Um, and I bonding even with those girls there. Lots of young women. There were definitely some older women there too, but lots of young women. I just thought, you know, we're this is this is the direct, direct direction the world is going in right now. And um, I, I guess it kind of came quicker for me. For some people, intuitive eating takes a while. I'd already done a lot of other your work before, mm-hmm. I think. But as it came along, within two or three months, I was really in and ready. And I, I, I wouldn't say you had no, ever fully accomplished intuitive eating. That's not the point. That sounds like you're accomplishing a diet. Yeah. It's a way of trying to live and um, get to know yourself and your body again. It's going to take a long time to, re, um, 
to kind of, um, what's the word with our relationship, heal that relationship with our food and our body. And now hopefully hoping to teach it to my kids and, um, bring them up that way. Cause I have two little daughters, even my son, mm-hmm. can't forget about sons. You have sons. Yeah. They have to know this and understand this too. Mm. And, um, it, cause I knew going into it too, another coming to myself, looking myself in the mirror thinking, something has to change again and I can feel that it's my my um obsession with trying to lose weight that is always going to keep me back to depression yeah and it really was that last that last part and um I really finally I really finally found it and had that help and I've been good for about five months and it's been a really great stint and I feel really good yeah amazing Oh, congratulations. What really stands out to me is that so many of us, when we try something new to change something that we feel needs to be changed, we try it and then we get into this place of discomfort. So whether it's, you know, rooming with that woman that you're kind of like, who am I waking up next to? I can't believe that I'm here and wanting to bail probably, or, you know, going to therapy and then having to talk about things. We all kind of hit that point where it's like, ooh, don't want to go there. And then you're kind of like, I just won't book the next session, (laughs) right? Yeah, Yeah. it's very uncomfortable. Right. And so, and then so many times we get to that feeling and then we just revert back to what we know, those unhealthy habits. So the fact you kept driving forward and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations in order to find that healing, bravo, because most people would not do that. And I hope that it inspires those listening to be like, discomfort is not a feeling to tell you stop. No, it's, it's a feeling to tell you, continue questioning, continue seeking out. Yeah. What, what could that new normal look like? And I'm so glad yeah. that you found intuitive eating that, yeah, it is very complex because there's so many less rules and so much less like absolute control over what goes in your mouth or what doesn't, or when it goes in your mouth or when it doesn't. <laughs> that's a, that's a hard thing to, to feel confident in, but um, yeah, I've heard a lot of fantastic things as well. And, and more than anything, yeah, it, it just represents you approaching life in a more open-handed way and less like confined by being a certain way or doing a certain thing. That's amazing. Is Yeah. Intuitive eating is very scary to people in that way because yeah, it's less rules and structure and that's actually the one thing we need when we start to feel conflict actually the the solution is to then turn inward mm-hmm. and find our own power in figuring it out ah. not being told what we need to do to, in order to figure it out yeah. i think that's why this world is really um big on influencers and trying to find those gurus it's so good to have a community around you but any good guru or influencer is really going to always coach for me that's how i believe is actually coaching the heart of it is having the other person find their inner power to make their own change we're only a guide we're only that support and accountability even and then that's i think that's kind of how we believe as christians too we we it's really the spirit guiding you and it's so individual for each person yeah and so now you are a passionate health and life coach and you really do combine the spiritual component with this physical component of physical health. 
And I'm just curious, how do you view those things going together? How do you describe that to somebody as somebody of faith? You know, so many times we think we, we can we can pray away things or we can, you know, just do the right things and then good things will come to us. Right. That's kind of what we're promised. But that's it's not as it's not as straightforward as that. So how do you describe that to people? Um, yes, definitely. Um, I'll say two different things. Um, first being. I like simple. I feel like I have kind of a simple mind in that way. As we were saying before, for years, I was doing the buffering I was buffering with food. I was buffering with just trying to have fun. Buffering even with my relationship with my husband. If I got his approval, I'd be happy. And a lot of women do that. Or we become doormats with our family where everyone gets the fun and love and help. I will be fine. So that's even a form of buffering. Yeah. So with all that buffering, I like to, as I've talked about, I have a podcast as well. Um, it's Laura Cragen Podcast. Just my first and last name. And... Um, in one of my episodes, I've talked about um, picture your heart and think about, like I had said earlier, all those beautiful things in your heart that you've experienced or things that you do currently love and you're going for. And I can imagine it's your boys, your new baby. You love what your husband does. Of course, you sometimes conflict with it. But, you know, we have all these beautiful things in our heart. But everyone has a hole. Everyone. I, I truly believe everyone has a hole. We were actually born with that hole in our heart. We, God made us that way so that we can find our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ha- that, that hole is actually supposed to be there. Sometimes we get mad at ourselves that that hole is there. Why do I feel like I have to keep, you know, keep gambling, drinking, smoking, pornography, you know, for anyone? For me, it was what I have to keep beating myself up with those bad thoughts, keep myself in check, keep myself in check with um, food all those things. Um, but that hole in my heart was really Christ. It's the only thing that's going to fill it. Everything else that goes down that hole just goes into an abyss. It just, it just disappears and needs to be refilled again. So that's what I felt like with religiously for me, Christ was that hole that filled my heart. Mm. And, um, then secondly, I think about when you take out all the old furniture in your house, think of your body. If this is your house, especially when you move into a physical house, you have to take out all the old furniture and then put in the new. So I've worked on all these these um, negative paradigms and those traumas and trying to go for some conflict resolution with my family and even my parents and all their the divorce they went with. And I had to have those hard conversations and how I felt about it all. And finally, when I, I cleared out all the old furniture, you had to put in the new. So I was working hard on figuring, okay, what's my new, like, what's my new furniture? I, Because it's just going to creep back in. That's mm. why with the, what, the very first principle of intuitive eating is reject diet culture. Mm. You have to get rid of it all, but then replace with positive. And so I tell people, replace with positive things. And and so as for that intuitive eating example, it would be, you know, trying to follow body positivity leaders, people that feel, make you feel good, people that relationships. It goes a step further of it being, like I said before, what gives you the fire in your belly? What gives you fulfillment? What gives you life and energy? And like what you do for this podcast, a lot of it is for mothers. It's motherhood. It can still be motherhood and for me, and it's coaching. And it's all because I'm trying to bring others to Christ 
and I also want to help my family along the way and bring myself there too. It's kind of a self actualization, I'd say. Mm. And so filling in that new, that new house with the best furniture you can ever find Mm. (laughs) is definitely always going to involve others. And it's, yeah, I, hands down, always is going to involve others. Yeah. (laughs) I, I love that visual, and I think having visuals like that can really help us to understand these kind of abstract things of, like, where do I start? What do I need to do? And, yeah, and when you move into a new house, sometimes you bring some of your old stuff, but then a lot of times you want new stuff to put in there, right, to complete this new space. And you can be really intentional with that, and I think quarantine has taught us that. You know, it's being stripped away of so much normalcy. And then, okay, now that things are starting to open back up, like what are you going to add back in intentionally? It doesn't need to just snap back to the way it was. How do you want it to be? And you get to choose. You get to choose that. So I I love this. I love what (laughs) you have created. And for people listening who are engaged and interested in in hearing more about you you have your podcast the laura craigan podcast and then also where can people find you if they want more support personally for for health and for coaching yes yeah, so um a few different steps um i am on I, my website is lauracraigan.com i do have my podcast just laura craigan podcast and i'm on instagram i'm pretty active on instagram just laura craigan and um, if anyone wants to have more of a step further with um, understanding intuitive eating, it really needs to start simple, right? This is a pretty big thing to accomplish, but it's a beautiful, wonderful thing when you can um, finally understand it. Um, I have a guide of my five steps to start intuitive eating. So they can go to lauracraigan.com and find that, or I guess click in, click in the link below and that can be sent to them. And I do one-on-one coaching, and so I would love for anyone who's listening, if they feel really drawn to this and they really need more help and guidance, I love what I do. I find so much fulfillment, and I think it's so needed for women right now. That's why I chose it. It's the one thing that's one of well, there are many things, but I feel like a very major one thing women are dealing with right now is what's keeping them back is their how they view their bodies and how they treat their bodies. Um, and it's really that relationship within themselves um, that I would love to have a free call with anybody who would like to. And that could be booked also below. Um, but, yeah, I would be, like to be of any help for anyone who's listening and really feels called like this sounds like it's right. Because yeah. <laughs> it's listening to that fire in the belly, that, that voice can really be powerful. It can't get go wrong. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Oh, Laura, you are so wise and so much of that wisdom has come from enduring really challenging things and then seeking out a different way to live, a different way to think, a different way to be. And, um, you know, it doesn't make us immune from challenges in the future. Certainly doesn't. You never know what's around the corner. But for each of those things, you become so much more equipped to to know how to get through, how to endure and um, hopefully a little less painfully going forward so oh amazing well laura i always ask my guests one final question and it's this what would you tell your pre-motherhood self oh i was so young then (laughs) (laughs) you're going to be raising both yourself and your kids and so that's really was the case for me (laughs) 
raising kids in my twenties and everyone is usually out having fun or whatever. Yeah. But take it it's okay and accepting that it's okay to take care of yourself and your kids and uh raising them. You're cherishing that little girl within. What does she need? I love that. Oh, that's so good. Laura, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your journey today and I just wish you all the best. Welcome. Thank you, Jessica. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. And I love what you do here. I appreciate Laura sharing her story so, so much for all of you. If any of you have mental health struggles, suicidal ideations, eating disorders, any number of these types of challenges that are so common among women, especially of our age group with so many pressures of motherhood and your body's changing and all of these things, there is absolutely help. And Brightside being a sponsor of this show, that is absolutely a great place to look. Talk to your friends in your area. I bet you bucks you have friends that have sought help and can refer you to professionals that can offer you additional support. It is so important to take charge of your own mental and physical health so that you can find healing if that is something that's holding you back in your life. You are not meant to live in suffering and you're not meant to mother being a martyr. You need to put yourself on the list and you need to do that self-care. You need to pay attention to your own needs so that you can show up for others. And like Laura said, she is so much happier and more whole today than she was years ago because of the hard decisions she has made to get the help she needed and she will only continue to grow from here and support others. So I'm just so proud of Laura and pray that she continues to, you know, do the work to continue on this path of healing and happiness. So you can find Laura. Everything's linked over to extraordinarymomspodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.